it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by the great Matthew Barry as we discuss what he thinks of the Washington football team's skill talent in relation to fantasy football. It's also instructive of how he sees this season. Plus, Matthew provides sleepers and players at positions he would be wary of drafting for your fantasy football team this season. As you know, he's a big-time Washington fan. Matthew can be seen and heard in various places on ESPN, of course, and he's also part of the Fantasy Focus podcast. Give it a listen. And I, of course, can be found on ESPN.com. I have a story up this week asking a question to some ESPN NFL experts. If you had to draft 2020 all over again, who would you take, Chase Young or Justin Herbert? They're going to face each other this week. It's silly, as you know, because you can't draft in hindsight. And I also think it's harder than some would think because of what Young means already to Washington. I think really, to be honest, the answer will be fully discovered in a couple of years whenever Washington gets its young quarterback. In some ways, it's like asking, do you want a blue Maserati or a red one? And I'll get into more of that later this week. I did have a couple more thoughts before I share my conversation with Matthew. Peyton Barber signed with the Raiders late last weekend. As you've heard on here, about three weeks ago, the guy was an absolute lock to not only be on the roster, but to perhaps play more than people anticipated. That was definitely the word coming out of Washington's facility. Then Jared Patterson happened, and then they wanted to keep extra bodies at other spots. So it put Barber from being a near lock to being on the bubble. It wasn't necessarily Patterson versus Barber because they could have easily kept both. They kept four last year, too. A big key here will be how Antonio Gibson handles the short yardage situations. Heck, there were times I liked watching Patterson in these situations because of how he can get low right away and how well he keeps his legs driving. But the bottom line is he's still only 195 pounds. He'll also be entrusted to play on special teams. Bodies wear down at that size, so there's a limitation on what they can and should ask him to do. I do enjoy watching him. I do think he's going to develop into a nice player for them. I loved. I think he's got great natural vision. He has he's the ability to jump cut in the hole. Um, I think he sets guys up well, presses the hole well. Uh, you know, but I still think there's there's some things to learn about him in a regular season game, of course. But this also means that Gibson will have to be better in short yardage situations. I also think Washington can find another back to play a similar role to Barber if they need to. It's not a great back. He just filled a role that was very specific for him. It was also interesting that they signed a kicker to the practice squad in Eddie Pinero. It's necessary. And I don't think that, first of all, this is not about motivation for Dustin Hopkins. Now, it's never been a question of that. It's a, for him, it's always been a question of performance. He also tends to overanalyze everything. And sometimes you wonder if that gets in his head too much. On a personal note, Hopkins lost his brother-in-law last week. And the funeral is set for September 10th. What I was told about having Pinero on the roster was that it was more of a fear of COVID than anything else. This way, you're covered if Hopkins ever tested positive the day before a game and had to then miss a game. 
That's why Panero was brought in. Going back to the roster construction, cutting a guy, again, back to Barber, was done to keep someone else at another spot, someone extra. And one extra guy they kept was seventh-round pick uh, defensive end Shaka Tony. If Tony had not finished strong, they don't keep nine defensive linemen, and perhaps they keep, well, whether they keep Barber or somebody else. But Tony had a good preseason finale, even into the fourth quarter, which tells you how much those games matter. And I know Ron Rivera cited that, that he made some plays in the fourth quarter after playing a lot throughout the game, that he still had some energy in the fourth. He had a pass rush in the fourth quarter that was impressive in terms of his quickness off the line, his ability to stay balanced as he turned the corner. I put some pictures of this on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm not allowed to tweet too many videos, so it's sometimes hard to do that. Um, but it gives you an example of what he was able to do. Tony offers quickness and speed, and their minds is worth developing. Now, we also know that in, in those preseason games, he's facing guys that he's not going to be facing in a regular season game because they may have been cut uh, in those final cuts. But what it does show you is, let me say this, nobody else made that move, and they were facing the same situation, whether it's backup tackles, whatever. But when you see somebody that has something worth developing, you keep them around to try and develop it. I had heard that maybe he needed to mature more in his approach in the NFL. Clearly it wasn't too bad because they kept him. And in watching him over the last week or two in practice and in the game, I can see why they kept him. He's also somebody they use on special teams, which was a big clue that he was at least in the running. I like this pick in the draft and after the draft wasn't all that impressed for much of the summer. And I wondered, I worry about his size because really right now he's a pass rush specialist. And I think sometimes you need another guy that has some size. That's why they have Casey Tuhill and James Smith-Williams as their backup ends. But he did finish strong. I don't believe he'll have much of a role this season. I could see him being inactive all the time. But he was kept for the same reason as some others, for what he can do in the future. And that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN fantasy football guru Matthew Berry. Why he's so bullish on Washington, and it goes beyond his allegiance to the team. Football is back, so you need to get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week, one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. DraftKings didn't forget about current customers. All customers can participate in DraftKings week one, no brainer. For opening night, all customers can double their money as long as Tampa Bay doesn't lose by 74 points. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KIND to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, Virginia only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call the Virginia Problem Gambling Helpline at 888-532-3500. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Matthew Berry. 
All right, Matthew, before we get to the fantasy advice, whether from this team and a couple of surprises or guys that you're looking at around the league, I do want, I am curious, you are a fan of this team. So I'm curious, one, what are your, do you have a thoughts on the name at this point? Do you, what, do you have any leader for yourself? I actually, I've sort of grown used to Washington football team. Like I, I've always thought Washington FC, like Washington football club might be sort of classic and, and fun. Um, I, uh, when, when the, when the name change first happened, I mentioned on, on social media that I wanted, I wouldn't mind something with hogs, whether it's red hogs or the hogs or something like that. Cause I feel like, uh, I understand, I understand the, 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 the issues around the name, obviously, but I also think that it should, the name should in some way represent the team. And I like the idea of hogs, which is sort of unique to Washington, the Washington football team. Right. I mean, that's, it's, you know, like, I mean, like some of the names that are out there, the, the commanders or whatever, like just what, you know, it's not a bad name, but it just, it doesn't speak to what the team is or the history of the team. There's nothing, there's no there there. It's just a name pulled out of a hat. Right. You know, and, and so for me, I wanted something that spoke to um, uh, that spoke to the history of the franchise, you know, I mean uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, I think having red in the title would be helpful. I know red tails is out there as well. I don't mind that. Um, you know, I know uh, a lot of people have joked, just uh, make a red skin potato, the logo. <laughs> I, I've got that a lot. Everybody always thinks it's yeah. original when they tell me too. I know. Right. Yeah, that, <laughs> that one comes up all the time. That, those are my thoughts on the, on the nickname, but the truth is John, I've been a fan of this team since I was five years old. I'll be a fan of this team the day I die. Like it doesn't matter. For me, I, it's I'm, in my blood. I can't get rid of it. I've tried. I, I I grew up in Cleveland, so Cleveland Indians. That's a big thing for me. I'm sure. going through the same thing. I always tell people that it's the Cleveland part that matters to me more than anything else. So that's that because it's the way I stay. Like you know, I'm going to stay a fan of the team. Um, second thing, then, are you optimistic about where they are going? Really optimistic. Weirdly enough, really optimistic, and it's rare to say that. It has been a yes, it's it been is. a long time coming. It's it is rare that I have entered the season with legit optimism for the team, and uh, I feel like the team is headed in the right direction. I feel like we have a really strong core. I love the uh, I love the coaching staff. I think they've I think they've made a lot of right moves. So I'm optimistic. I think they win the division. I think they're going to be a very good fantasy team. And it's been a long time since the team has been relevant in fantasy, except for a player here or there. And I think probably, they have a, no. yeah, Go probably for, it's probably been a few years since they had the Garcon Jackson cousins trifecta, right? Is that about how long or. I mean, obviously like McLaurin's been a fantasy star since he's come in, into the league, um, you know, and Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed for a number of years right. was, you know, and, and Alfred Morris, Alfred Morris was a, you know, back in the, you know, back in the day a little while. So, you know, some of the running backs over the years, but yeah, it's been a while. It's been a little while. I mean, I will say that, you know, Jay Gruden and Sean McVay used to have, you know, pretty fantasy friendly offenses and Kirk Cousins was normally a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Right. And, and that's, you know, where I want to get to right now then is looking at their roster from a fantasy perspective. And also I think the fantasy perspective kind of brings into play how things would go for them. Cause you're not going to do well in fantasy if you're not doing well, on the field. And I think the highest rated guy you have on your list is Antonio Gibson. And 
I mean, I'm a big fan of that guy. The one thing I wonder is how much J.D. McKissick will continue to maybe eat at a little bit of what he could do. On the other hand, without Peyton Barber here, more maybe more chances inside the red zone or inside the five or whatever. So what's your take on him? Uh, I love Antonio Gibson. I think people forget about Antonio Gibson. His last year, first off, this is a guy who was basically a converted wide receiver. He played a little bit of running back at Memphis, but the majority of the time he was a wide receiver in college. And so now he comes into the NFL in a year in which there's a, a shortened run up to the season because of COVID. There's no practices. There's like, I mean, I'm sorry, there's no preseason games. There's like 14 practices or whatever it is. And this, as widely reported, Antonio Gibson was spending time in both rooms, both the wide receiver room and the running back room. So now you've got this kid trying to learn two systems in a shortened run up. And yet he was amazing, right? I mean, Antonio Gibson had a fantastic rookie year. We always talk about the fact that a player makes his biggest leap from year one to year two in the NFL. And generally, that is when it happens. So the idea of now, okay, I mean, I felt like last year, Antonio Gibson just trying to find his way on the field. Right. Trying to find his way on the field. And so now he, he's proven that he can be an NFL running back. We know about the pass catching, but he's proven he can be an NFL running back. And I think a couple of things here. I think the offensive line will be as good, if not better, than last year. I do wish they'd... I, I didn't like the fact that they got rid of Moses. That, that's me personally. I, I would have liked to have seen uh, Morgan Mo Moses come back. Um, but it is what it is. I still think ultimately the offensive line will be at least as good, if not better, than last year. Now you've got Antonio Gibson, second year in the league. And I think two things that are important. I think the offense is going to be a lot better. And it's going to be a lot more dynamic. And it's going to be a lot more downfield. And what does that mean? That opens up passing lanes. The problem is whether it was Haskins or Kyle Allen or uh, Alex Smith, especially teams felt like defensively they could load the box, that they didn't have to, they weren't really worried about the deep threat all that much. I mean, McLaurin obviously is always, is always a deep threat, but uh, I think the offense will be much more dynamic and much more vertical this year than it was under the quarterbacks they had last year. And so that's only going to open up running lanes. I also think the addition of, and John, listen, you're at practice every day. You know all this stuff better than I. So you tell me if I'm a moron here. And I'm saying anything that you, you haven't seen or that I'm way off base. But my take is, is that you add a guy like Curtis Samuel, who uh, is so versatile and who Scott Turner obviously knows and Ron Rivera know from their time in Carolina. Do you see Antonio Gibson out wide and Curtis Samuel in the backfield? Do you see both those guys in the backfield? Do you see Gibson and McKissick in the backfield? I just think the versatility of the guys they have make it really interesting for Scott Turner and what he can do with this offense and create mismatches. And with a quarterback like Fitzpatrick, who's got a little bit of YOLO to him, you know, and you got speed to burn with with McLaurin and Samuel and Logan Thomas and Diami Brown and and Gibson at the backfield, like all of a sudden this becomes a, a much more efficient offense, much more wide open offense. And so I think there's less three and outs with this offense and less need for McKissick. I, I, I think McKissick's a really nice player and I think you'll see him a decent amount on third down. But I think Antonio Gibson, if we've seen in the preseason, is involved, going to be involved, more involved in the passing game than he was last year. And again, a better offense, which means they'll be in scoring position more often, which is obviously, as, we, as you mentioned, good news for Antonio Gibson, especially with Peyton Barber, um, now a member of the – he just signed with the Raiders. Raiders. He just signed with the Raiders. Yeah. And, and I, one thing with Gibson, and it's funny because the hard part with Curtis Samuel, we haven't seen him on the field yet in practice because right. of the groin injury. But what, you, what I know is, and what we saw early in OTAs, 
is they do want to get it. And when they signed him, part of the thing was the versatility. So line him up in the backfield because they saw what Carolina did with him. But I also know that Scott Turner views him as a downfield threat, an outside receiver more than what Carolina used him last year. I think they'll still use him in the slot, but I do agree with you. I think those two back sets will be good for them, whether it's Antonio out wide or Curtis or both out wide. And then you get him in nickel. Can you then motion one to the backfield? Run him. That's what it's going to be a lot of. I do think with McKissick, they really like him. And so you could see the pairing of a few guys out there, McKissick and Samuel, McKissick and Gibson, Gibson and Samuel, et cetera. So there's a lot of ways you can go with that. Um, how do you? How would you view Curtis Samuel at this point? I think Curtis Samuel is going to be a much better NFL player and a much more better asset for the Washington football team than he will be a consistent fantasy asset. Okay. There's only so many balls to go around as it were, right? It's the old friend. And like, do I think when we, when you and I talk a year from now, John, do I think we look back on this season, will we be able to point to a handful of weeks in which Curtis Samuel had a really good day, both NFL wise and fantasy wise, of course, but in terms of consistent fantasy production, I think it's McLaurin. I think it's Gibson. I think it's Logan Thomas. I think it's the guys that have been there. I mean, I actually think Fitzy is a, is an interesting sleeper fantasy quarterback, but like those three guys, like, you know, McLaurin's going to get a massive target share. Logan Thomas, I think is important in the middle of the field. I know Humphreys has been getting a lot of work and he's going to be used more than people think, but as Adam Schefter and I talk about, like on his podcast, follow the money, they signed Logan Thomas to a real deal, right? you know, and, and I know they're very excited about Logan Thomas internally and feel like he's just scratched the surface. So I think Logan Thomas has a, uh, has a uh, very big year. I ranked Logan Thomas ahead of Kyle Pitts in my fantasy tight ends rankings, which I know everyone thinks is a, is a Homer call. And it really isn't. This guy was the third best tight end in fantasy. And he now has a real quarterback. All due respect to the guys that played last year. Yeah. And listen, the other thing, the other thing is watching him in practice because the year he had last year, there's just something different about the guy. Like last year, when you're watching him, he's kind of feeling his way. Can I do this? Can I not? He's making plays in practice. Like, okay, he's doing it in practice, but he's never done it in a game. Then he does it in the game, and then you watch him, and he just he moves more confident. And it's just there's a difference in his game. And I, you know, now I don't doubt that he's going to have a good year. Yeah. So I so the you know which is great. And considering I have a lot of Logan Thomas this year in fantasy, I'm excited <laughs> about that. But but again, like the problem and problem is probably not the right word, but the challenge fantasy wise for Washington is that they're not going to have to get into many shootouts because this is a top three defense in the NFL. Like it's, you know, like people are like, I can't believe you think they're going to win the NFC East. And I'm like, you know, don't you think Dallas, what about Philly or what? I'm just like, guys, they won the NFC East last year. And I know it was, I know it was a bad year in seven games, blah, 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 blah. But they did it with a, you know, a sputtering offense. If Ryan Fitzpatrick, if the Washington offense is mediocre, literally just middle of the pack, it's going to be an awesome team because that defense is just so good. They're going to get the ball in good field position often because of that defense. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, Washington fantasy-wise. But, yes, I just think in terms of volume of plays, will they get enough to support more than those big three on a consistent basis? I'm not sure. Right. And I, and I would agree with that. And I, you know, the funny thing is um, I'm with you on the prediction for the NFC East. And mine was based on the fact it was like I almost picked Dallas and I went back and looked like – and I know Dallas had all the injuries last year – but you look at the quarterback play these guys had, and if Fitzpatrick is average, they're yeah. in a much better spot. Just average. And I know he's going to have this Fitz, Fitz tragic games, and he'll, he'll do some things that make you scratch your head. 
but I still think the quarterback play will be better. And that's why I kind of looked at them. What do you think that will mean for Terry McLaurin from a fantasy perspective? I think McLaurin has a monster year. People forget this about Terry McLaurin. Last year, he was a top 20 fantasy wide receiver. He scored four touchdowns. Scored four touchdowns. Like he got really unlucky with a scoring. And yet, despite having only four touchdowns, and let's be kind, let's say inconsistent quarterback play, <laughs> despite having inconsistent quarterback play and only scoring four touchdowns, he was still a top 20 fantasy wide receiver. Now he gets Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think is a quarterback made for what Terry McLaurin does well, right? I mean, Fitzy is not scared to throw into traffic. He is not scared to throw deep. Um, like I said, there's a lot of YOLO to his game. And um, I think that speaks well to McLaurin. The last three seasons that Ryan Fitzpatrick has started at least 12 games, he has supported a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. Think about what he did with Devontae Parker in Miami. Right. I mean, he, he resurrected Devontae Parker's career. Devontae Parker was almost out of the NFL. And then Fitzy comes along and suddenly, you know, Parker gets paid. And he's just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the guy we drafted out of Louisville so many years ago. You know, think or think back to his Jets days with like, um, you know, with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Think about when um, Fitzy, you know, was splitting time with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay and, you know, had really good, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans performed with Fitzy just as well as they did with Winston. So I think Terry McLaurin has a monster season. I'm at wide receiver nine. Uh, so I'm as a top 10 guy, a wide receiver one. I'm higher than consensus out there, but there's a chance I'm too low on him at nine. Like sky's the limit for McLaurin. I think he's going to be really good. And I think there are a lot of times, even the first year, it didn't matter who was quarterback, even last year, I'm looking like if this, if there was good quarterback play, this kid has 1,200 yards as a rookie and 1,500 as a, as a second-year guy. So I, I'm with you on that. Let's look at the league now. Just a couple more questions then. Who yeah. are some Who are some maybe like yeah, – I've seen the rankings and all that, but who are some guys who say like this is a guy, maybe a sleeper pick for somebody – that, you know, a couple sleeper picks and maybe a couple of guys in your top 20 that while you have them up there, maybe you have some concerns about them. So in terms of sleeper picks, um, I'll, at the quarterback position, I'll give you a couple. Uh, I hate to say this as a Washington fan. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be awesome. Hmm. I think Jalen Hurts, at least for fantasy, we'll see how he does it as an NFL quarterback. But as we know, um, fantasy and being a good NFL player and a good fantasy player aren't always the same right. thing. right. You want, in general, with fantasy drafts this year, you want um, uh, you want quarterbacks that can run, that can get you fantasy points with their legs as well as their arm. Jalen Hurts last year, it wasn't always pretty, but the uh, over the four game stretch that he started, he was the ninth best quarterback in fantasy on a points per game basis and in total points because of the rushing that he gives you. And now he comes into his second year in the league. He knows he's the guy. They've gotten rid of Wentz. They've gotten rid of Peterson. Nick Sirianni has been brought in to make. Jalen Hurts work. They add Devonta Smith. Um, they're going to get. They have. They kept Zach Ertz. He's healthy. I think there's uh, some uh, some you know uh, real potential there on Jalen Hurts. I also really like Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I think it's a question of when, not if, those guys become the right. starters. And again, both really dynamic. Both uh, get you a lot of fantasy points for the legs. And I'll also say people have been calling me a homer. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm not. But I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a sleeper in fantasy as well. Last year, in the seven games that he started, he averaged for Miami, he averaged 19.9 fantasy points per game. Wow. He was at, which would have been QB 11 last year on a points per game basis. QB 11. Wow. And that's with, I think, a much, I don't know about much worse, but I would argue that McLaurin, Thomas, Samuel, Gibson, Diamond Brown, Adam Humphreys, 
I would argue that is the most talented group of wide receivers and pass catchers that Fitzpatrick has ever played with in his career. It's the, it's the, it's the best and deepest. I mean, listen, Godwin and Evans are awesome. Marshall and Decker back in the day were awesome, but um, it's as good, if not the best group that he's ever played with, with a fantasy friendly head coach and Scott Turner. So I do think Fitzy has a nice year fantasy wise. Is there, is there one guy that you have just, you can just name one. If there's one guy that you have a little bit of concern with. Yeah, I was going to, Oh, let me give you some, I'll give you a quick sleepers at running back. I'll just give you some names. Uh, AJ Dillon, Jamal Brown. I like, I think both Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert are being undervalued uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of running backs there. I actually do think Boston Scott, speaking of Philadelphia, I think Boston Scott is, um, is kind of interesting. Uh, so those are like some of the running backs that I really like. I think Miles Gaskins being underdrafted uh, at wide receiver, some of the deeper guys, Darnell Mooney in Chicago, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore of the Jets. I mean, I've got a zillion of them. I think Marquez Callaway going outside the top 40 in New Orleans. Michael Thomas is going to miss the, at least the first six right. games of the year. No one likes Marvin Jones for some reason, but Jacksonville's going to have to throw a ton. They think Trevor Lawrence is going to be pretty good. Marvin Jones reunited with Daryl Bevel, who was his offense coordinator in Detroit. He had a top, last time he played with Daryl Bevel, he was a top 20 fantasy wide receiver. He's going in the 40s. I think Antonio Brown has a chance to be the comeback player of the year. Antonio Brown's going somewhere like in, in, as wide receiver 35, which is insane when you think about the fact that he was a guy who literally two years ago was the best wide receiver in fantasy. Right. And he's playing with Tom Brady. Like he had a 20% target share in the second half of last year, just getting onto the field right. after all the turmoil he'd been through for the year and a half. So Tom's won a Super Bowl. He can do no wrong, obviously, in Tampa Bay. Things are a lot more settled there. They all know each other. Antonio stayed out of trouble. I think Antonio Brown has potential to, you know, he's got a good quarterback, a good fantasy friendly system. And obviously he's got all the talent in the world. So I like Antonio Brown as a sleeper quite a bit. Um, to answer your question as a player that I'm concerned about, I'll stay in the NFC East and I'll say Saquon Barkley makes me nervous. Yeah. And it's not that I, it makes, I want to be clear here. I have Saquon Barkley as running back nine as I'm, you know, I'm as a, as a top pick in the second round. So it's, I mean, I clearly don't have that much concern. Right. That's a high but on ESPN, John, he's going in the top five overall. He's going as running, he's going as running back five and he's going as number five overall. And I'm like, to take someone in the upper half of the first round of your draft, there can't be any question marks or red flags. And I think there are a few. Like, we don't even know if Saquon Barkley is going to play right. week one. Or if he does, is he going to be limited in snaps? They're playing Denver, it's a tough matchup. And people forget this. But last year, before he got hurt, Saquon Barkley had 34 yards on 19 carries. Right. He was brutal. Like, and I, I don't blame that all on Barkley. I mean, that offensive line is a real issue. And yes, it is. I don't know if they've addressed it enough this offseason. I think there's still legitimate questions about that offensive line. So you add questions about the offensive line, questions about the health. Well, you know, how and then the last thing is how quickly does he come back from this injury? Think about Dalvin Cook last year versus Dalvin Cook two years ago, right, right off the ACL. He was good off the ACL, but last year you saw he added that extra gear. He got that explosiveness back that we saw right out of college. So does, Sa does it take Saquon time to get that explosiveness back? Because if he doesn't have it immediately, that's a concern. We went back and looked at this. And in every game, Saquon Barkley, for his career, in every game Saquon Barkley in his career doesn't have a 25-yard run or more, he averages 3.3 yards per carry. Um. That the big playability of Saquon is part of his game. Part of the fantasy value is that he has these big, crazy runs because he's 
he's that good. He's that explosive. But if that takes a while to come back, whether it's the second half of the year or next season, that obvious, obviously affects his fantasy value somewhat as well. He's still going to be great. He's still Saquon. He's still going to get a ton of work, you know, but, but that's just a little rich for my blood. Top five overall. Matthew, I really appreciate your time. This is great insight as always. And if there's anything you want to plug, go ahead. I mean, everybody knows who you are. They should be following you all their stuff anyways, but anything well, that. I, pre- I appreciate that. If you're listening to the, uh, I'll just say that, uh, you know, obviously if you, if you like podcasts and you like fantasy, listen to the fantasy focus podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Myself, Field Gates, and Stefania Bell do it every single day, Monday through Friday. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot and, of fun uh, and very entertaining. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we have, uh, we have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, if, um, if you're interested, down, if, you, if you like fantasy, subscribe to – I have a newsletter, the Fantasy Life newsletter. You can go to fantasylife.com, click on newsletter. It's free. comes out every single day. Uh, all the nuggets you need to learn about – um, fantasy sports and uh, what you need for that day in fantasy football. So um, uh, it's a it's a great newsletter. does uh, does really well, and uh, it's always the first thing I uh, I look at every morning. So awesome. check that out, Matthew. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. My pleasure. Go hey. go uh, WFT. <laughs> there you go. The season is starting and Prosper Insurance has helped to stock you up on your favorite Washington football team gear by offering a $25 gift card to the NFL shop when you get a home and auto quote with them. You don't even have to buy a policy to get the $25 gift card, though the savings will be worth it. I can tell you from experience, the quote I received was $2,000 less than my previous insurer. It might not be like that for everyone, but why not find out? Finding the right insurance can be a pain, but Prosper makes it easy while providing great service and advice. Their licensed advisors shop the market with top companies like Allstate, Nationwide, Progressive, Travelers, and more to find you the perfect coverage at a great rate, which helps explain why Prosper has more than 1,000 five-star reviews on Google. You have nothing to lose. Simply visit prosper.insurance.com to get your quote and a $25 gift card. That's prosper.insurance slash KIME, K-E-I-M. This offer is good from August 29th to September 12th. You know what else is cool? They plant a tree for every policy they write. That's more than 66,000 trees and counting. Get ready to feel good about your insurance. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Matthew Berry for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday talking to ESPN NFL analyst Matt Hasselbeck. Talk to you next time.